Welcome, and you're listening to Geekologist Radio 2.0, a division of the Ninja Pancake family of podcasts. Damien, and welcome to Geekologist Radio 2.0. We tried to go live this week. We really, really did. We spent an hour and almost 40 minutes doing working on it. Uh, our process that we use, we use Streamlabs OBS, and it can sometimes be fickle. And they put out a recent update. Mixer put out a recent update. Audio issues galore with that. Uh, the guys over at Analog Assault, Wade specifically, also known as a mule horn, uh, sent over some settings for me to look at. So he's going to help. He's helping me out with that process. So we're going to go through and try to get that all set up. Thought I had it up, but you know, maybe I need to get a little Viagra for the uh, for my 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 brain for the setup part. But you know, because right now it seems to be a little limp in that area. <laughs> <laughs> but but we did try. We tried. Nick and I gave it a really good try. Uh, so we just want this week, we're going to be talking about ready player one on doubt on digital. And by the time this comes out, it should be out on release in ultra HD, Blu-ray and DVD. If you're still using that, uh, also, uh, we're talking about how companies want to piggyback their success. Then we also have to say goodbye to a couple of our favorite heroes, uh, that this, this is rough. This is really rough. One of the heroes we found out about it, it's not. One of the heroes is a hero to us. The other hero is a hero to us, but is fictitious. And we we kind of held back a little bit on when we were going to finally discuss it. And with some recent information released, we've decided now's the time to kind of look into that. So we're going we're gonna to do that. But first up, you know, got to get out the promotional stuff, all that. Uh, so obviously what with little tests we did on Facebook was a success. People were logging in, wanting to see what we had to say and everything. So you could expect to see us. If you follow us on Facebook, we're going to talk about movies and other things that we have that we've been involved, that we've watched. Uh, you may get us, we just came out of the theater and want to just give a quick, you know, initial reaction to how we feel. And we, so we'll go live for that, do a little video you're just going to expect to see a lot from Facebook live from us. Uh, and that's going to be across the board between all the hosts that are on there. Uh, this will be something that will also get, bring back. You'll get a little hot takes and stuff like that from people like Paul, uh, Jeff Barry, who has a harder time getting on because of his work schedule and whatnot. This uh, will give opportunity for the other geeks to come out and shine. Absolutely. Yeah. This is a good, Facebook's a good place for a lot of people to connect. And, even though, like, newer, younger kids, like my 18-year-old, don't really use Facebook, and they use other social media, uh, Instagram, and whatever else. So, Facebook's great for uh, people at our age. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then the other, the other ones, if we can get them to log in. The other area, you can reach hold of us. And, we are, like you said, we sit on our Facebook page. We get it if, you don't, if you're not up to having another app and everything. But, really, it allows us to communicate, even as voice servers and everything on there, that we can set up 
for not only to talk to us, but we can set up so you can play and talk to your friends that you make on the site, uh, which is the app called Discord. If you follow any type of streaming service or a lot of other things out there, pretty much everybody these days has a Discord. We're, we have one as well. Join in there, talk. The first time we start getting people coming in there to talk to us, we're going to talk back. I mean, if you look at our Facebook response time and everything, we respond back almost instantaneously. We respond back almost instantaneously between the people who are running that site as an admin. And we're all the geeks. Yes. And, of course, Nick always says it. Like us and rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts at. Be sure to share us with your friends. You know, we do this as a, as a passion, but we are also trying to do get into shows and things like that, that this will give us more content to talk to you guys about possible stuff to give for giveaways and all that jazz. Yeah. And it's not like, uh, we're doing this for uh, free. It does cost us a little bit of money, but we're not charging anything. But we would like to get into some of the Comic Con, some of the, you know, PAX West coming up. We're definitely going to. This gives us more content, the the opportunity to get more interviews done and have more interviews. We haven't had any for a while. You know, uh, the guys from Nintendo Quest were on not too long ago. A couple other things have fallen through, but it's not like we're not trying behind the scenes. So, I mean, we would love for you guys to like and review us. Uh, Join that Discord. I say it all the time. I would love to chat with some people. With that, you can also find us on Twitter, of course. Uh, Twitter, like I said, we're going to be going through and doing a re- redo of that. And you can find us on Mixer once we can get that going. And we'll be doing Mixer. <laughs> will be a home for us for streaming games. Facebook and Mixer are going to be our two main locations. But we will be out putting our videos also to YouTube. So with that, we're going to get into the weekly free free flow which is just basically us coming up and talking about kind of what we've been up to we've been both of us have had really busy weeks and so the gaming hasn't been not there but it hasn't been really what we typically like to get in on uh nick did you get in like any games in PUBG? did you get any games in fortnite did you have anything that like just like kind of like made you smile at least for a little bit Nothing spectacular. Like you said, I've been pretty busy. Uh, I did jump into some war mode today, actually, uh, before the show. I jumped on PC and jumped into some PUBG war mode, which is fun. It's I kind of liked it a little bit better last time where you jumped in with crate weapons. You jumped mm-hmm. in with hot drop weapons. Now we're kind of jumping in with pistols and shotguns, which I'm not particularly really well at or good at. Especially in a wide open area, it's just kind of jumping around and shooting somebody and maybe you get a lucky hit. Um, I was trying to land into the building areas and get a little bit more close quarter action, which I'm better at. Um, well, most people are better at the shotguns. So I do like the original war mode. Uh, there is crate drops in this war mode. So if you survive long enough, you can get to the crate drop and you can get like an S12K okay. or something else. But it's just shotguns and pistols. So... The best I could do was kill somebody and steal their weapons because it was difficult, man. And plus, I jumped in with a bunch of randoms, so you that know, I that, I'm, that doesn't help. Randoms is becoming a hard thing for me, so I've I've joined some discords and stuff like that on the Nintendo side of things because yeah, I'm really getting competitive. I'm starting to try. I'm starting to stretch myself and you know try to try to make sure my muscles are ready to jump into that splatoon 2 competitive side which is the ranked modes and things like that 
I've got a lot of people there telling me that I need to play with motion controls, which I've tested out a little bit and I'm starting to get it. So motion controls is not to where you're like using them side by side and moving around, but uh, like if you have the pro controller or you have the little controller set up, it's just so you move it, you, you keep it rested down on your lap or wherever you're going to keep it rested at. And then you use that to move your up and down. You still use the sticks to control your side, your side movements, but the, your up and down movement for aiming, it creates a more precise, uh, uh, it's it's the closest thing what most of the people are saying in 64 Josh Captain Logan they're saying that this is the closest thing you can get to like a twitch style play with like a mouse and keyboard for the switch and that once okay. you figure it out and so I I, to- I toyed around with a little bit just using the 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 joy cons and I did that and I like it and now as much as I like my my power a controller now I yeah. feel like I need to get the the pro controller it now has a cert- a purpose for me because if other shooters have this mode I'm going to be more inclined once I learn how to do that to switch to that yeah no I understand yeah I haven't really used the the power the pro controller yet so when you do get it, you'll have to review the difference between the Power A controller, the Joy-Cons, and, you know, the Pro controller. Let us know what you think is the best, you know, use for multiplayer on the Nintendo Switch. The, it, it depends on what you're doing. Like, if you're not going to be using the motion control, the Power A controller does everything that the Pro controller does, except for it doesn't have vibration. So if you don't want it, then you're talking about, you're talking about $30 price tag then, right? Uh, yeah, they actually just put out Power A just put out a whole series of new controllers that are chrome in color. They have a Mario. They have a they have a chrome uh, black and blue Zelda. They have a Metroid, mm. a red oh. and like golden one that they just came out with. So they're constantly putting out stuff, and you can get these controllers for a fraction of the price. You can look at twenty four ninety nine to thirty dollars. Versus the seventy slash eighty mark that you're looking at for the Nintendo Pro Controller, so th- that's kind of where I'm at with that. I'm kind of like, well, now if I want to be competitive, do I feel like I need that? I'm seeing a lot of streamers do the same thing, so it's starting to make me feel like if I want to be competitive in this, that I'm I might have to put out that extra money. And for that, it's a little frustrating on the Nintendo side, but again, I know I'm going to get a lot of use out of it and enjoyment out of it. And the other bonus to having the Pro Controller is is that I can put it in kickstand mode and I can use the Pro Controller. And it'll link up with my, my Switch without having the dock. So that's a good thing. That That's a good thing. That Yeah, I like that. Yeah, a lot. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about, though, is... So, you know, Splatoon 2 came out in 2017. They're still putting out a lot of content for it. We get little hints in other anim- animes and stuff that are putting out that are hinting at there's a Splatoon 3 coming on the way, which I would be excited as all hell about now, now that I'm in the universe and getting into it. But it'd still be a while out, and so there's still a lot of life, like a ton of life in Splatoon 2. People still play Splatoon 1 on the Wii U. Most have gone over to Splatoon 2. But they still, they're going to, they have, Nintendo has said that they're going to keep putting out content each month up until the end of the year. So by the time the end of the year happens, you're going to have a, just a ton, a ton of stuff. And they've only put out one DLC so far, which was recently. It was here in July they put out the DLC for... Or no, excuse me, May. Uh, they put out the DLC, which was the Octoling DLC, which was the 80 levels and all that stuff. They, yeah, which yeah. I want now. <laughs> you don't... <laughs> and if you're worried about getting it and you just want it to be able to have the different variation of playing as an Octoling in-game mode... 
uh, you can look up a lot of stuff on YouTube that will teach you how like t- to take a route so you can get you access the character the fastest, basically beat the game the fastest. And then later on, if you want to unlock other things, you can go back and play the other the other uh, single player modes. Uh, they just recently put out a few a few more weapons, uh, four to be exact. One's called the Bamboozler, which it sprays out like a it has a, like a toxic mist sub weapon and then a special burst bomb launcher, which is kind of cool. And what basically the it's a variation of the one of the charged weapons. So it's a like a sn- charged sniper rifle where you charge it up, but it looks like bamboo, which is kind of cool. Then there, there's an umbrella assist game weapon you can use in the game that you can shoot across the way and it kind of blocks things and then paints the ground for you. Well, they have one that just came out and it looks like a tent. And it's just a variation look, but it comes that what's cool about this one is so the sub weapon is a splash wall and then special is curling bomb launcher, which a curling bomb launcher is deadly as well. It's it'll it'll it won't kill you, but it will splat you. <laughs> but my favorite has got to be like I really like you got the charge weapons in the game. You really got to kind of give them credit. Got to you got to for they have a complex. They have a learning curve. And once you learn that learning curve, you could be quite, quite competitive with them. And one of those things, and there is a Gatling gun. Well, the Gatling gun has a new version coming out. Now, you remember those pens that would have multiple colors of ink, and you'd pull down the lever, and they would pop down? Well, this one's called the Bullpoint Splatling. And it looks like one of those pens, and then it just has different ink things that come down when you're shooting and stuff like that, instead of the uh, instead of barrels. Little nuances like this, but it's totally Nintendo to do stuff like this, and it just, it's really cool. Uh, they have the Explosher, which is, think, a paint spray gun if it was connected onto a paint bucket. Okay. And it just kind of, it's kind of just a short range uh, shotgun, if you will, in the game. It's it's pretty cool. It's fun to work with. I'm learning from watching streamers and stuff like that. I've actually what I found interesting is is something on Mixer, guys. Mixer, if you're trying to stream and get an audience, a lot of people have switched to Mixer. Mixer is finally that it's 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 gaining traction, and I've seen people just sprout up and for within two weeks and they have thousands of followers because you know they they might stream something. Sea of Thieves is. still if it's streamed is streamed mostly on twitch or youtube not really streamed on mixer as much as you would think and mixer is the natural thing you connect up to but it's more it's more streamed on uh, other services mixer gives you a lot more options for working with your team so definitely check that out but what i really find interesting is nintendo games I find more Nintendo games are streamed on Mixer. I wonder why that is. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if maybe also the bigger streamers that stream Nintendo stuff, if maybe they're getting incentive. You know, Mixer is Microsoft. What are you watching? Uh, what are, what games are you following on Mixer for I'm, or for streaming on Nintendo I just Switch? I just look. I just look them up. Uh, but right oh, now, okay. uh, I mean, I was watching even uh, I was watching up p- people, some streamers that have switched over were playing on, uh, of course, Fortnite. Uh, but uh, I'm watching a lot of Splatoon 2. And what's funny is, is that the game's been out for a long time. And so you don't get very many people on there, even on, even on the Twitch side. But 
people want to watch it so much that when you do stream it, you get a full lobby of people talking left and right about the game and then wanting to join into the game with you and stuff. And that's the kind of thing I'm saying is is that we you know we we talk an awful lot about growth and things like that and looking at the different sites and looking how you can grow an audience. And we're not the biggest biggest thing in the world, but that's because of that we are studying and learning different ways we can do it. We always want to share uh, kind of ways you can do that too. Mixer is a great place to go. The community team behind Mixer, they're really supportive and they'll try to help you out and grow your audience as well. But you definitely are going to see us streaming some Nintendo products over on Mixer and uh, all sorts of stuff here coming up here soon as we get it figured out. I have it figured out on my actual account. I'm trying to get it figured out for the uh, Geekologist account. So It doesn't love you. It doesn't love me. I know, right? It's <laughs> so hard. It's mean to me. But next up, what I wanted to talk about. I had a little cool things going on in Sea of Thieves. Now, Sea of Thieves is what's been interesting about it is it is... They, the developers had their, you know, they they had at E3 and then after they had a podcast that they put out that was a round table and it was very, uh, it was very raw. And they basically admit that the game is not the game that they came out. It's not what they were putting together initially because the game has evolved past that and it's become a very player it is player driven it is what we want it to be they are listening and the player community base is communicating enough in unison that we are getting what we want we're getting they're going to the drawing board they are creating stuff as we go and so those of us that are playing on a regular basis we're getting little updates that kind of prep us like it's been saying along they prep us for these bigger updates that are coming out and the bigger updates that we thought we knew what we're getting are evolving even still based upon player feedback. So I just wanted to toss it out to Rare. Rare just celebrated a big uh, anniversary for Banjo-Kazooie. In fact, in-game right now, if you go in-game, it's 1998. So 1,998 gold. And you can get yourself a figurehead that is a representation of Banjo and then holding a shield, which represents a backpack and then an emblem of a phoenix which represents kazooie it's pretty cool little nod to that oh. um nice that they're that they put that in there for us i got to see these during the alpha so uh i already knew that it was in game just waiting for them to release it to us i had a really cool game the other night and we talked about games where you can log in just really quick like PUBG, and PUBG is not that for me on the console right now because I log in and I'm not able to really do what I would like. Enjoy yourself? Yeah, I'm not enjoying myself right now on console. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It's actually uh, understand. extremely frustrating. It's understandable. Game is frustrating. But uh, I logged on to see these. I was like, ah, I'm just going to do a couple missions before I go to bed. So logged in, went, and I'm just goofing off. I'm talking. Uh, I had my one of my pet pigs wasn't feeling too well so she's sleeping by my feet so i was talking to her and all of a sudden i see her splashing in water and i'm like oh my god what's going on someone's trying to board my ship because i was at i was just at a outpost up comes my brother hey what's going on oh okay <laughs> he's after he scared the crap out of me i'm like okay so we go and we're like okay we're gonna do some missions so we went out looking for we're doing some gold hoarder missions we're going out and it was like, we're going to do some gold holder missions. We're going to shoot some powder keg skeletons. We're just goofing off, you know. Uh, we were just, and we were discussing how we love the fact that this is a game that 
we want Pirate Legend. Everybody knows I want Pirate Legend, but the thing is, I don't feel like I have to have it. I feel like I can just jump into this game, and I can just goof off and play. And that's what I love about it, is that... And the community has become that way, too. They're not as bloodthirsty. Now, when you get the kids on there, the kids are bloodthirsty, man. I'm telling you. when I, As soon as I hear a kid on mic, I'm out in the cannons ready to go because I know I'm going to be getting boarded. I'm going to have these things launching at me. And it's like, I think of Critters, the movie Critters, when you got the little little furballs running around, or even yeah. uh, even the Attack the Block. Like, I'm, I'm like... Okay, they're coming for me. I know what I'm gonna have to do, and that's how I feel. And it's not I don't I don't call kids squeakers. I have you know my kids always played games. I never wanted them to be called a squeaker, but I'm telling you, there is a huge difference between the play the player base right now. Where when you have the kids, the kids when they were with an adult, usually they're pretty good, but when you got a a squad of kids, they're good at the game typically. But they're also bloodthirsty as all hell, <laughs> and yeah, that that gratification that kids want—they don't want to play around. They want to come and get your loot. Uh, yeah, so yeah. we ran into a situation where we're traveling around and we come across a sloop of kid of two two kids. But then they had another player on there that wasn't on mic, so we don't know if he was a kid or whatnot. But they, I think they were doing the skeleton thing, so we we're going to be nice. Well, then they start launching themselves. I've never been able to do this, but I had a pirate come launching at me, and it, right as I fired the cannon, it hit him midair. I was like, "Yes!" <laughs> <laughs> we wound up, we wound up taking that that crew out. So we go to our island, and we're thinking that we're just like everything's everything's fine and dandy, everything's awesome, right? We go up there, we're doing, we're trying to find our treasure chest, and then all of a sudden, Gilbertus is over the mic. He's so, wait, wait, don't dig anything up. There's another sloop over here. I'm like, okay, okay. Well, we had already just hit up. We had taken that other me, sloop down, taken their loot. We had just hit up a very lucrative uh, sunken sunken vessel. Got the loot from there. So I'm like, okay, you just go. Drop me off. You just leave me here. I got two powder kegs. Just go. Just go to the go go to the outpost. So I'm looking around. I don't see anybody. I don't see the pirates on this ship. So I go. I just go underneath the water with the powder keg. And I go and I set the fuse and I take off swimming as fast as I can to get away. And it blows up. And then they come. The, I see the two people on the ship coming running down to try to get to the ship. I was already on top of the ship looking through it. And I didn't see any loot. They hit it really well. I didn't know how they hit it this well. Because this thing was full of loot. <laughs> So they come running down and they're they're not talking. I'm trying to talk to them, you know, because I, I blew up the ship because I don't want them trying to take my loot from me. Then I see there's loot all there. And since they're not talking to me and one of the guys got a powder keg, I shot the powder keg, took them both out. And I'm like, Gil, Gil, get back here, get back here, there's loot. So I took the loot and I'm telling you guys this as something that you guys can do too. Don't I hope you don't do it to me, but... If you sink another ship and you take their items, they stay in in world for quite a while. You take their items. If you go swim around the outside of the island and you don't want them people to be able to find it, find a rock that's over that's like you know a little ledge. The items will float up and latch themselves underneath the rock. So then nobody mm. sees it. You know where it's at, but nobody else knows where it's at. That's a good move. It is. I like that. Yeah. So I do this with about six items. Two captain's chests. 
one exotic uh, fine spices and then like a bunch of skulls. And I buried the skulls behind all the other items so that the glowing wouldn't come through the water. They came back. I killed them again with a boat with with another barrel. Gil comes back. I loaded the ship up and I leave one item and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go put this on the on the on the island form. I felt bad, <laughs> so I put it over there. Now I'm trying to get. I'm trying trying to get. You know, I I, I get killed by a skelly. I peer back in, and I, one of the guys goes over, and he gets off. He gets on Mike, and he goes, "Stop! Please stop killing us. This is the sixth time that I've killed them." <laughs> so now they're talking to me, so I'm like, "I'm like, hey!" I go, "Well, I'll tell you what. Now you talk to me. I'm good. Let's, you know, I'll I'll give you a couple items. I'm I'm on the island. I will give you some of the chests for what you know we got from you because we thought you were part of this other crew that had attacked us. We'll come over." They come over and see me on the island, and instead of thinking I'm actually trying to be helpful, they just take off. I had a, and I sat there. I had the three chests down there that I had dug up for them, and their little trinket. Turns out that trinket was wound up worth like seven hundred gold, so it wasn't any, any nothing shabby. Yeah. Anyway, so they don't come by. Gil comes back. We load up to this thing. He's like, oh man, it's like midnight. I have to work in the morning. I'm, I gotta get off. Get off. I'm like, okay, we'll go back. Same group of people. We had, he had changed. He was smart though. He changed our ship his to his colors instead of what I had. So that, and changed his appearance so that they wouldn't know it was him coming up. He passed right by them. They didn't shoot him because, <laughs> so he loads up the gear. We go over, we try to get back. We look over. They're getting attacked by the mag, and they sink again. They had treasure. So we went over. We picked up the treasure, turned it in. In an hour and 10 minutes, I wound up turning in basically what would have been a skull for it. I turned it. I made about 11K off of just basically people's you know pi- pirates misfortune. The game is great for that. You can jump in. You can have a different experience all the time. I love it. it you know. I'd love to play with other people if they if they have the game if they're in it. The yeah. community is very solidified now, which is kind of cool. You don't get a lot of the 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 jackasses in there that are trying to just spawn kill you, um, and so it's which is annoying. It is it is annoying, and and yeah. so you get you get a lot more out of that. But jumping out of out of that, you were talking about you know war modes back on PC PUBG. And you're talking about how they switch up the guns. Is this something like Fortnite does where they have a different mode that comes out and then it's like, hey, we're doing 50v50 version 5 and they change up some of the stuff? Yeah, this is a special war mode with the, the, the shotguns and pistols. So I forget how many days. I should have I should have looked at it better, but I forget how many days are left on it. It just... I mean, I like war mode. It's fun for PUBG and for PUBG players. I'm sure everybody enjoys a different style of that battle royale game. PUBG, the way it's set up and the 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 way they built this game, you can use several different modes with this style of game and make it work. And this, you know, war mode is kind of like a team deathmatch, and it works fine. But I I just don't care for the shotguns and pistols only. If I'm going to get into a war, why am I going to walk in there with the two weakest guns that PUBG has the offer? And if you go onto the Reddit forums and you look at the war mode and you look at the trailers that people are uploading, you'll see a lot of them where they're hitting somebody with the pump shotgun three, four, five times and they're still alive. 
it's it's a frustrating it's annoying i get it uh, so i get people that don't like the war mode and i get people that like change up that love the game so much and 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 you know this is kind of your fault damien because <laughs> PUBG came out in december on xbox you were hyping it up all in 2017 you know you were playing it on the pc so when it came on xbox i'm like all right damien's talk about this lot it's 30 bucks let me get it i'm highly addicted to this game i could talk about this game and the and the ins and outs of it so much to the point where I listened to a podcast just about the game. But yeah, I've, I've actually taken a break from the game this week because uh, the frustration of, of not getting chicken dinners lately. It's been a dry spell for me right now. It's tough. I was close again today, you yeah. know, in 14th place, but just not there. Yeah, I hopped into it trying to like, I hopped into it on Xbox, trying to see how things were. And yeah, it was not hitting it for me, and and having a and that's the problem now is having a switch where I'm playing a game on there that I'm highly competitive on, yeah. and I'm good at it. It's hard for me to go into something where I want to be highly competitive, and I'm getting killed not by my own doing, but by a glitch in a game. That's frustrating, and and just like uh, Splatoon two is gonna be in your playlist. PUBG is going to be in my playlist for a while, just oh, yeah. like Call of Duty's. You know, I'm always going to have a multiplayer spot, but I'm still playing, you know, rerunning God of War. And uh, I loaded up the division on the PlayStation not too long ago and got that update going. I jumped in there for a little bit. I was a little lost because it's been so long <laughs> and I was terrible. But uh, I, I wanted to check it out and see how I felt uh, getting back in there since Division 2 is coming yeah, out. Yeah, see, Division, I play that on both PC and Xbox. And so it's going to be hard for me. Like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Xbox at release, but I'll probably pick it up on PC as well. Yeah, for fans that like Division, uh, you talk about it all the time on uh, ninjapancake.com. Check out the podcast, Bombshell Jackets. It's a good podcast. I've listened to it. It's on my rotation. I like listening to Pacific Gaming Podcasts, and I kind of rotate through. And when I want to pick up something else, so... Division 2 coming out, definitely hop onto that podcast and hear what they have to say about it and the new update for the Division that just came out. It's a pretty massive update, man, which is surprising that they they went so big with Division 2 coming out, you know. Mm-hmm. That's it. Well, Division 2 comes out what? March. Tw- uh, March. March 2019? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Still, still fiscal year of 2018. We got a lot of... Yeah. Lot of- yeah insane amount of great games coming out between all the consoles and it's like having having the nintendo now totally like it it i'm like my, my wallet's hurting i'm like like <laughs> it opens up your world it, oh god it does though i'm telling you i know it and that and nintendo switch is beautiful man it's got to be the best handheld console i've played since ever i i, I think so yeah i mean I, I bought a case for it. You know, mm-hmm. I got my Zelda case for it. I could take it with me. And I, the charge holds forever. It's a great system, man. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to, to key in on here, if you're looking for different consoles, you're looking at stuff like that. If you're looking for originals, it's kind of interesting. So if you were to look at like the Nintendo Switch's dashboard. So if you yeah. look at the Xbox and PlayStation, their dashboard, most of the games are available between the two consoles or available on one console and on PC. So you're looking at a lot of third-party titles. Yeah. Whereas maybe like 20% to like 15% is exclusives. Now you flip those numbers around and you have Nintendo's dashboard. Nintendo's dashboard, you look at it and you got, you know, you're looking at, you know, it's it's like a 75% 
Nintendo market. And then, I agree with and you then there. It's, you know, yeah. third party is the other part. Now, some people be like, well, I want my third party games. And yeah, there are third party games and they're bigger ones that are looking at the system. But definitely, like, if you like that kind of exclusivity kind of stuff, definitely look at the Nintendo. It's the games that are on there right now are amazing. And get in on it because Smash Brothers is coming out and we're going to want to fight a lot of y'all. Yeah. And if, and I talked about this before. Fortnite's a great port for that it system. Is, it is. It also it's a great port on the iPhone if you carry an iPhone. PUBG on on mobile is a great port for it. it it's fun. I I enjoy playing it now. There's an arcade mode. You play for like eight to ten minutes. You're in. You're out. You know, or even quicker depending how good you are. But why can't I get a port for the Nintendo Switch? Blue Hole, you stink. <laughs> they made a game I really love, but then I just really dislike everything about it at the same time. It's, I mean, it's, it's a, a love-hate relationship. And that's the thing is, you know, uh, we're going to be talking about Destiny later, and I don't, I used to basically live in the world of Destiny. I love this game, but there's there's something I have a lot. I actually have a lot to talk about Destiny. Uh, we're going to talk a lot, a lot about dive pretty deep into Destiny Two, some other topics on that. But also, like Blue Hole, there's a company that I feel could have an actual case against Bungie for Destiny. I'll talk a little bit more on that a little uh, a little bit later. Right now, we want to get into a couple of our top stories and. We were talked about heroes, and Nick, I'm going to toss this over to you because this is this is going to hit you guys in the feels. Yeah, a lot of people look at you know like Jack Kirby or Stan Lee as some of the you know the Godfathers of Marvel comics or comics themselves. Well, I mean, there's another guy out there that maybe didn't get a lot of recognition. A lot of people do, you know, see Stan Lee. And a lot of people in the world know Jack Kirby, but everybody knows Steve Ditko too, who passed away last week at 90 years old. Now he passed away, but really the news just hit today. Um, actually the day we're recording. So it's kind of sad to see somebody who co-creator of Spider-Man, who actually wrote a lot of the storyline of, of him being, you know, living with his aunt May and, you know, that's, that inspiration that the Spider-Man, uh, Peter Parker, I mean, has to do with, you know, his parents dying. He also is a co-creator of Doctor Strange and uh, multiple, multiple characters. And he, he, for the comic book world, he touched a lot of creators out there. Um, Neil Gaiman on Twitter wrote, without Steve Ditko, there would be, have been no Spider-Man, no Doctor Strange, no Creeper, no Hawk, no Dove. None of the black and white reprint comics I read in Seaside Resorts as a boy. No question, which means uh, Rorschach. No minister, uh, no mystery. So, I mean, even like Rorschach, this guy touched a lot of... And, and if you guys don't know who Neil Gaiman is, you got to know who Neil Gaiman Shit. is. <laughs> Brian Michael Bendis. I spoke to Dave Ditko on the phone. He wrote this on Twitter. I, I spoke to Dave Ditko on the phone once. I talked about him often. I got to thank him for creating Spider-Man and putting food on my table. I hope he really heard me. And what Byron Michael Bendis is saying is that he took over the Spider-Man comic books. I mean, we have the multiverse because of Brian Michael Bendis. He created Miles Morales. Uh, uh, this is just somebody that really lifted up the comic book world. And he did things on his own terms. He created so many different characters. He didn't just create for Marvel. A, 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 or DC, he, I mean, 
a lot of people on Twitter, if you go to just Steve Ditko on Twitter and look at all the people that that are honoring him this today, it was just kind of sad when I'm going through this and I'm looking at, you know, Iron Man or, you know, Green Goblin or, you know, just other characters that he actually wrote, written for or had a hand creating for, you know. Doctor Strange, I mean, how great was he in Avengers Affinity War? Oh, hell yeah. Without Steve Ditko, I mean, we don't have this stuff. And there's a great photo of him, and it's getting kind of circulated around a lot. And it's a black and white photo. He's kind of turning over his right-hand shoulder, and he has all these illustrations in front of him that he is drawing and penning uh, and also uh, whatever else he's, he's got going on there. But he also just has a sign behind him that just says, think. And it just, you know, it's a great little thing. Just think. And that's what he did. And he came up with a lot of different characters. I know there's, when it comes to the Spider-Man controversy of like either it was Jack Kirby or Stan Lee, Steve Ditko was right in the mix of those things. So don't forget about Steve Ditko when you think about Spider-Man because without him, we don't get we don't get Steve we don't get uh, Spider-Man fading away to fairy dust in Avengers: Affinity War. Oh, ouch. Well, I mean that hits you in the feels, but without this man, you don't have the, you don't have you know Spider Man and Avengers Fin anymore. You just don't. Well, uh, talk. I feel bad for him. I mean, he's ninety years old. He had a good life, yeah. and he created a lot of content that made a lot of kids smile. And now, you know, as a kid, now I'm thirty six, I'm still smiling. Oh, and you got the Spider Verse that's coming out. And one quick little news update onto that, kind of to lift us up out of out of a space of sadness but y'all i mean don't be sad he lived to be 90 but what we need to do is we just need to celebrate celebrate and, yeah, I, and I really hope that the movie that the that the spider-man into the spider-verse i really hope that that's something that actually kind of happens because uh, you, you know that you're going to see a this is dedicated to or in memory of at least we yeah, better we better we better absolutely sure yeah, yeah. Uh, but what i wanted to say is that we got we got wind we know of actually another new character that's going to sprout out in the Spider-Verse. And this is honestly in the video games when they did the Spider-Verse video games. This is my favorite Spider-Man. And I like who's playing him. Nicolas Cage is going to be the voice of the character. So you're not going to see the crazy faces or anything like that. But, you know, he's coming in and he is going to be playing Spider-Man Noir. We're talking yeah. about the pistol, pistolier Spider-Man. I mean, uh, that this spider—that was basically Spider-Man Noir was basically a mix between DC's Rorschach and uh, you know, and Spider-Man. It was like a combination between the two, and that's what you get. And I really, really like it, and I'm excited for it because I was curious when they said into the Spider-Verse. I was curious if we were going to get a throwback to some of the characters from that storyline. And they they really are pulling them in, and the act, the voice acting that's going to come with it is going to be great. So I'm like, I'm really even more excited about Into the Spider Verse. I'm very, I'm very excited for this, and I'm a big fan of Nicolas Cage. Obviously, yeah, we we share the same name, but anything he's in, I'm uh, very excited for, even if it's a train wreck. <laughs> I like watching the wreck yeah, happen. Here. I mean, some of the some of the uh, this is going outside of of. A few superheroes, and we're just Nicolas Cage now. But some of his bad movies that have been put like Bad Lieutenant, I absolutely love. Oh yeah, uh, you know. And we grew up with movies like Face Off, where like you know, Face Off, 
So, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, those are things is, I mean, when you're geeking out over something, it's not always just about comics. So you geek out over movies and over, you know, you, know, you could be a cinephile. And that's, yeah. that is something that we very much are here. Like, we love our content and we love following actors and their ups and downs and everything because they're intriguing. The one thing I think would have come out that even if it would have come out, I never would have, I don't think I would have liked it, would have been Tim Burton's Superman. I didn't care for when I watched the documentary about that, which someday we should write about it and put up on our Facebook page or our website. It, I didn't really like the direction that was going. Neither did I. <laughs> you know? And and for everybody that liked Tim Burton's Batman, I liked it too, mm-hmm. 1989 with Jack Nicholson, Joker. But this Batman Returns with Danny DeVito as a penguin, it, it, it was okay. I had some nostalgia feelings for it. But I don't love it as much. I'm sorry. See, I see, don't. I love. When I go back I and watch Danny it. Danny DeVito as a penguin. I mean, he he looks like oh, a penguin. Yeah. It's no, no. That's the good part of it. It's the Michelle. Wait, wait. It's the Catwoman part that I don't. What? Like. I don't. Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman like it, was hot as hell. Like I was, you know. I thought it was weird. I didn't think it was well done. I, I, and that's me going back. Christopher when I was a kid, Walken. I absolutely. I like Christopher Walken, and I don't, don't, I don't hate on Christopher Walken on anything. <laughs> but when I went back and watched it, and this is probably about five years ago, I was watching going with my kids going, God, this is very corny. Okay, okay, I, yeah, I yeah. It is, I, it is I, corny. You know, it was corny. It was, it's the Catwoman side, and actually Danny DeVito running as the Penguin for mayor. That was, that uh, was out there. That's a yeah, weird storyline. I, I, yeah, not going to lie. I mean, it was weird. Um, and that happens in Gotham, too. So if you keep up with Gotham, Gotham only has one more season left. Uh, fans stopped watching the show for whatever reason. I thought that was one of the better you know, live action superhero TV shows we had, but there is a penguin kind of commissioner type of thing going on there too, where he was trying to get politicized and have camera crews on him and, uh, you know, uh, not really run for office, but there was some similar type of storyline there too. Jumping off of that, I saw a movie that we saw together, but I bought it digitally and I rewatched it. I watched it two times in a quick succession with my oldest son. And I'm talking about Ready Player One. Yeah. And I watched the special features on it. And I found it so crazy just finding out about, you know, how they went about casting and everything. And actually the casting of Wade Watts was, he was like one of the last people cast for the film. And the actor was passed up the first time. That's really weird because why would you – yeah, that's very strange. Why would you circle a whole movie and then put somebody in that's going to be in the middle of it and the main you know protagonist in it? Why would you do that? Artemis was cast first. But one th- they have to have a relationship together. You have to feel their connection. And that's what they you have did to is they kept, believe that on well, what there. What they kept doing is they kept having her test with other actors. And, and it, and it, 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 it just wasn't work. working. And so then what happened was, is the guy, uh, his name's Ty, uh, I forget his last name, he plays Cyclops. And, yeah. And he, so he wasn't, but when this was filming, this is the other interesting thing is, this was filming before that he didn't have hardly any screen time when he got the role for Ready Player One. This is how long Ready Player One took. Like it took years to actually get this film together. Which is really oh, interesting. absolutely, which is interesting. I, I don't, yeah, and, that makes complete sense. And so, he didn't have a lot of screen time, but his at first initial 
video that he sent in of him acting, uh, reading some of the script and stuff, they felt was too poppy, was too energetic. So he sent one in where he was more laid back. And then Steven Spielberg says, hey, bring this guy in. And, and it's, Ty, it's Ty Sheridan. Ty Sheridan. That's what I thought. I thought it was because I remembered Sheridan paintball guns and all that stuff. Anyway, I have a weird way of remembering names. But yeah, so Ty Sheridan <laughs> Ty Sheridan gets a call back. And he says, hey, you, we want you to come meet. So he goes in and he meets Steven Spielberg. And he comes into this group of actors and he's just... He's told to act it out, and basically they do, you know, they they kind of act out some stuff, and he gets the role. What's crazy about this is if you've seen, there's no part. So like when you see, if you see the movie, it feels like you're watching part of it. It's like you're watching animated, but it's not. It's animation over actors. Everything you see on stage, including the Iron Giant fights and everything, is acted out by the actors that are playing these roles. They just, they're they're in a big studio when, I mean, even the car races, everything. Well, with the doors open, it's a wireframe car that they're driving and they're moving around and they're doing all the motions and stuff in. It was really insane to see that. And it just makes me appreciate the magic that is a Steven Spielberg film. When you go to see a Steven Spielberg film, even if it's not the most popular film, you know that the action behind it, the thing, the stuff, the thought process that goes into the making of that film, is is golden. He doesn't put something out that he's not all in on. And the other interesting thing about this movie is that the person who the that they got to rewrite the movie from the book. He turned it down twice before he's like, no, there's no way. I love the book, but there's no way that I can turn this into a two-hour movie. Third time's a charm. He comes on and he rewrites it and compresses some of the stuff and changes up some of the stuff for the film. But what's awesome was that the author was on deck the entire time to be able to to, to be able to help with, you know, any little changes that needed to be made. And the film was a great ride. And the second, the the first, the, the second and third time I watched it, I caught even more uh, nuances to other characters and stuff that are in it. Like I caught on that there was a bunch of uh, the Battleborn characters in it. Oh yeah, and yeah. just there's so much more stuff you see in this. And I know that the uh, consecutive watches, I'm going to catch more. Do yourself a favor. By the time this episode comes out, it will be for sale on DVD, Blu-ray, Ultra HD, or get it digitally. Watch it anywhere. Play it anywhere. Yeah, right now on Amazon is fifteen dollars. It's so good. Yeah, I and we went and saw it in the movie theater. And one thing I noticed when we were going to see an opening day, not only were we going to go see an opening day, we were going to go see it at a mall, which is kind of a you know a. a there's a lot of people around this mall. So I was thinking there'd be a lot of people there and we reserved our seats because we were looking at them, watching it. And basically, uh, what was those seats they called? They're called D-Box uh, seating. And it basically, yeah, D-box basically seating, yeah. it's an interactive experience for the movie where you are mobile. And I am so glad that I got an opportunity to see it because watching it now, I will admit though, watching it that way, you are more immersed. But watching it the mo- couple times without having the motion, I was able to catch more because I wasn't, catch I wasn't more, yeah. so immersed into the action. I was actually able to take pause. Yeah, and- instead of instead of watching, you're experiencing, and then at home, you're actually watching. You're kind of in the you're kind of in the movie at that point, especially like the race car scene. But 
I mean, right now I'm on IMDb and it's getting a 7.7 out of 10. Meta meta score is like 64. And I just didn't understand how the popularity of this movie didn't hit for me. I thought it should have hit big. I thought it should have hit bigger than what it was. I mean, it I mean, some the actors in there are fantastic. Ben Middleson in this movie is beautiful. You know, and I love them in Rogue One. It, we, we talked about his career blowing up, and it's growing blowing up at a, at a uh, a good time for him in the older side of his career. Uh, he was in a Netflix original series that he was really great in. Uh, I this I, I thought he was perfect in it. I love Ty Sheridan, uh, Olivia Cook that played Artemis. Uh, T.J. Miller was in this. Simon Pegg. I mean, I just thought this movie should have hit harder for people. And like you said, I'm going to watch it again with my kids, and then I'm going to sit down and really look at it. And I want to watch the behind the scenes. The behind the scenes part seems really the interesting. The behind the scenes part is actually because uh, it's like I really focus on behind behind the scenes stuff when I'm writing an article. Uh, you know, I, I focused on watching the animation captures and everything for Friday the Thirteenth, and it was you know, and then another film that did really well. Uh, uh, with the extras portion teaching, showing you how they did stuff, uh, was uh, Beowulf, you know, back in the day with Angelina Jolie. Oh. They did, they filmed it the same way. Tech has come a long way since then, but it's just, man, if you, if, I love Beowulf, yeah, man. Here. People got, people gave that one a hard time too. If you're looking to have some fun, if you just want to have a fun ride with your family, check this one out. It's family friendly. Yep, absolutely. But, the kind of the thing that we wanted to go into is is that there was a Gundam scene, and it was so good, so good. I mean, Iron Giant fighting, uh, fighting some you know a Mecha lizard thing. I'm not I'm not gonna ruin it for you guys, <laughs> but it was pretty cool. But seeing a Gundam show up, a massive, which is a big surprise. That was not in the trailer. We were shocked by that. I remember uh, both of us kind of, we all kind of looked at each other like, oh, what the hell, man? That was a shocker. Gundam is in the movie. But because of this, and I believe it has something to do with Ready Player One, that's legendary production studios. Kind of, I, th- I, I would think they saw Gundam in this movie and said, oh, you know what? We could probably do a live action, you know, story all, all around Gundam and, you know, the anime. I think it has to do with Steven Spielberg and, you know, uh, Ready Player One of actually, you know, trying this out first. I think it's a mixture. So we have that. But then yeah. also, I just recently saw Pacific Rim uh, fi- okay. Fire Uprising. Yeah. And yeah. I'm going to say, uh, I-, I watched that the same night that I that I got. I purchased uh, Ready Player One. I wish I would have saw it in theaters. I felt that the film uh, Pacific Rim Uprising was a little rushed at pace, uh, with the pace that it felt. Okay. But the kaiju slash uh, Jaeger on Jaeger action. It sounds like a bad <laughs> porn, but uh, it was it was really it was really good. But it left it left you wanting more. Like it left you kind of like hungry to see something more like this. And while they're fighting, they're fighting in Japan. And of course, Japan has statues of what? Gundam? Yes. So there's Gundams. I didn't know, There's man. Gundams all no over clue. the place. Uh, it, really? Yeah, and and in, the, in the film, you see the Gundam statues that are, you know, getting, everything's getting destroyed all around it, but the Gundam stays there in the, in the scene for a lot longer than everything else. So it's kind of like a big hit, like, hey, you see what we got here. And, huh. and, and I could... See, I haven't seen, I haven't seen Pacific Rising yet. So that's a, uh, I like that idea that's because, 
because the statue stayed alive, that Gundam's going to come Pacific Rising 3. Oh my god, that would be really just... cool. But the, the, <laughs> the main thing that is, is that if you think about a Jaeger and a Gundam, they're one and the same. Yeah. And so seeing what they're able to do with that, when you take Pacific Rim, take Pacific Rim to Uprising, and that's the live action mixed with everything, they really could give us this. But, you know, I want to see Gundam. And then this sounds really good that, that, we're, that it's going to be produced by Legendary. But yep. what I want to know is if they're going to go and produce Gundam, are we going to get a live action Voltron? I don't know. I, I don't know. But Legendary would be the production company to handle something like that. I mean, they've done Jurassic World trilogy, the Godzilla stuff, Kong, Cold Skull Island. Yeah. So big animatronic, you know, monsters or robots. It's right up their alleyway for that yeah. stuff, you know. So I don't know. Would you want a Voltron movie though? That's the thing is I don't know if I would feel it's too Power Ranger like. How how about how about just uh kind of like we were talking about earlier, Spider Man multiverse? How about just a good you know, uh, two hour long uh cart you know anime of it? We you know that's that's fine. A new uh, one. I mean, just, you know, get, but the thing is with that, I feel like we get a good enough version on Netflix for that when they come out. So. Do you like the version on Netflix? Mm, I like... So, Netflix has done two versions. Okay? Their first okay. version, I like. This this okay. most recent one, it's feeling... It's it's going in the void of some of the anime, animated Transformer shows that have been out that have been more kid-oriented. And So, maybe that's the one I started watching. Maybe I didn't watch the first one. I had to tap out pretty quickly. I was like, ah, yeah. it's not for me. So, I really... What if Legendary took over or some, some great anime studio or something like that took it over and made something great? I, I think it'd be better Voltron as... Well, who knows? Who knows? Let's watch Gundam first because we didn't know we wanted a Gundam movie until Ready Player One. For me, anyways. I As soon as I saw it bounce on the <laughs> screen, was I was so like, great. Oh, okay. It was so great. I was like, yeah, let's do this. Let's get it going. Yeah, that was something that was just... It was, it totally totally took me off guard by I wasn't ready for it, thinking that it was something I needed, but I definitely definitely want it. We had a couple other things that we wanted to talk about, and we we're running it, we we started late, so we're going to move some things around. Yeah, and uh, we're gonna get into what is our main event event, which is a Destiny slash. It's two D words, okay? So today, if you are if you purchased, which I can't like. I'm supporting them. I'm supporting Tryon Worlds. Defiance gave four-day early release access if you purchased a couple of their packs that they had. It was like 20 bucks. I'm like, I loved Defiance. I loved the TV show. Screw you, Sci-Fi, for canceling after after four seasons like you did Battlestar Galactica. I really, really don't like you because of that. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Defiance was a. Did you get that out there? Defiance was sci-fi. You suck. Defiance was a great <laughs> hybrid, and what it was was it was a project that they worked with Tryon Worlds, where you had a video game universe that was on the West Coast, where Defiance took place in St. Louis, and the characters, when a character would leave the series for a little while, they would show up in an event in the game on the West Coast. Oh, and you would get storylines that would would move around and there's actually was events that you could compete in that if you won your character was given a role on the film or on the on the TV series 
On the TV series? And this okay. was such a cool experience. Like, I was all about this. Like, I got, like, you know, because you've got to interact basically with a with a live or with a television show you're watching. So you got to interact with the characters. And then you kind of had an idea of what was coming on that wasn't shown in the, hey, next week. You're like, no, I know something else that they didn't show. Aha, I'm going to get, you know, I know what's going on. You see the characters show up and whatnot. It was just really, really cool. Then when the game, when when the you played through the story campaign on the game, and you had all these additional stuff that came connected to the TV series, but the main the main story of the game ends in a cliffhanger, and you're waiting for that to happen. Well, when the sh- series got got canceled, the game went free to play esque kinda, and it was on 360. It wasn't. It never got ported to Xbox One, and I was like, uh, I played it on 360. I, I didn't play it much on PC. I was like, come on. Well, at PAX last year, my son and I were walking by, and we're walking by Tryon World's booth, and we see a f- hell bug, and we're like, what? What is this? It says Defiance 2050. It's a spiritual successor, so sequel tacked on to the original content, built with a new infrastructure. Built for the free-to-play world, but also built for the role-play aspect of things. Now, there's different. There's a lot of different races from the Voltans. The Voltans are this races that are from space, and there's the Ark uh, field that's around the outside of Earth that crashes down, and the technology kind of terraforms the worlds. So the Earth is no longer recognizable as Earth, aside from a few things. Like in Defiance, you have the St. Louis Arch that you see. And so there's little things that... And then uh, in San Francisco, there's the Golden Gate Bridge. But... Uh, in the world of the Defiance, Antarctica is now a resort paradise. It's just, it's just kind of crazy how they did everything. What's the weather? <laughs> is it cold? No, <laughs> it's not. It's a paradise. It's like it's like Hawaii. Oh, yeah, really? and so the, the in fact the, the key thing was the characters from that you meet in the game that go into the TV show were trying to get there. They were trying to make enough script, which is the money that they use to pay to be able to move to Antarctica. There's races. One of the races, which is very similar to that of like a Klingon or a Zabarak from Star Wars. So you got the two different things. Klingons from Star Trek. Guys, I'm not saying that Klingons are from Star Wars. Zabarak, <laughs> which is like Darth Maul uh, from from Star Wars. Uh, they're kind of like that tribal kind of fierce warrior-like, and they're called a Narathian. And and much like the, much like the Klingon, they are pronounced by a, like a very pronounced skull shape. Um, okay. And they're typically red in skin color, and but they're they're really really uh, a cool race of aliens. Then there's the other species which is prevalent in the series, which is called the Castian. Now these guys are pale as hell, look like vampires. I'm going to get more into my theory with this and other things is that this game, when it came out, was like the first, I mean, granted, there were some other MMOs that kind of played on on the console, but this was on 360 and PC and PlayStation. And it was a big deal because this is when like this, uh, like the, the trailers for this stuff was Imagine Dragons uh, and they, they would play on the trailers and stuff like that. Uh, and you'd hear, welcome to the new age. And it just played so well into it. You got you pumped up. You wanted to play. Well, then when the series got canceled, 
content started to trickle in and then the game never got its big expansion that everybody was waiting for that story and then people got the new gen and they weren't able to play because it didn't port over they didn't do anything 20 uh defines 2050 is that port over the graphics are updated but the polygons are not so that you still get that you still have some of that poly you know it still looks like a dated game but but if they fix the stuff like going in right now, a lot of us that paid for the stuff, like I paid for the hot, like I paid for the big legendary package. Like I had the, the, I got the messenger bag. I got the statue. I got all the stuff, you know, I, I, I went all in with this game. Cause I was like, this is going to be amazing. This is pre destiny. Mind you guys, this game, basically all these shared world shooters and shared world experiences that we're getting. This is the precursor to that. They built the infrastructure for what we are playing today on a lot of different different models and stuff. Uh, the the world I hopped in today, was playing it. Noticed some, you know, I pl- I played it on the on the Xbox X. I have not played it on the X yet. It is X enhanced, so we'll see how that looks. Probably just looks like playing it on the PC and it, they'd look pretty on the PC. But there's a lot of issues with this relaunch on console that were the same from the original launch years ago on the 360. Oh. So one of those things is you'll be shooting at an enemy, but it's, you know, it's a latency issue because they're, they're not, the mob is not where you're shooting at it. And it's also behind you. And you're like, what the hell happened there? But what I've noticed is, and it's, this is insane. The game, I mean, part of the reason is the game recognizes regions so or recognizes, you know, where you're playing from. I have ran into some of the same Ark Hunters that I used to play the game with back when it launched. And I didn't fully forgot about them. They were friends of friends is what they were. So I never added them until now. Now yeah. I have them added. But like we were running and it was the same missions that we're running. We're running through some of the missions and stuff like that. And we're running into these people. What I'm curious about is, is that I'm curious about see how many people come to it for the nostalgia factor. Tryon needs to they're making they're making some decent money off of this early access pass because enough people pick, picked it up it's 20 bucks a day gives you access to certain character classes the game has character classes now and different abilities like that so there's different character classes they'll release later on you can buy it for in-game credits or you can purchase credits to buy them it's not a buy to win scenario um it's an actually pretty good setup the way they have it but what i was what was unannounced is that if you purchased, if you had any of the outfits or anything like that from the original version, if that would transfer forward, well, they recognize your account and they transfer and they give you all that content that you had from the original game comes back. Unless, unless it is an outfit or something that was unlocked via a mission. If it was unlocked via a mission, you have to go back and do that mission to be able to get that content. They get the they get it again. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Now, the characters in this game, everything there's very a lot of similarities. So you have what's called an ego, which is, uh, uh, the ego is your system that basically protects you, but it's it looks like a uh, half bodied woman with a hood on, that's made of polygon polygons like big polygons, that is a ghost. And she directs you through your missions. <laughs> and she comes up from your head and appears and directs you on your missions and stuff like that. And you say, hey, Ego. And, you know, she communicates to you and whatnot. I think I know where you're going. She resurrects this. you. 
Wow, um, really? Yeah. And this <laughs> game was made, we were working with Sci-Fi. They knew they were making this game, Tryon Worlds, way before Bungie and Destiny were, were a thing. The Castians! They're like these, these, they're like this kind of, they're rich, but they're like very greedy, uh, gothic, pale as hell, vampire looking mother effers that are like just pretty much scum. Like they're just jackasses, like really, really, uh, they're like the, the, a lot of the, uh, mob kind of in this world are Cassian. If you were to look at a Cassian, and then you were to look at an, oh, I don't know, an Awoken, you wouldn't know the difference. In fact, I'm playing as a Cassian right now. That looks really badass. But this is the way you know there are different races. It's the only way you can tell the difference of the race is that uh, in, in, in Defiance, you can have facial hair. In Destiny, you can't. Well, that's, that, that's, that's good for you because you watch your beard yeah, yeah. at all times. But so going into this talk was the fact is, is that I'm ho- I'm curious to see if Tryon can, can get past people coming on for the nostalgia, because if they can't, people will jump on for the summer, play the game free to play, won't purchase anything, but they'll play it. And then come September, they'll be all about destiny two again. So if you're wanting to retain people, they got to get there. They got they they got to re- put out some content, as in content patches to fix the stability of the game. Otherwise, people are just going to jump on that free to play bandwagon, play it, get the story that they wanted to. That's a continuation, which is basically the two in the 2050, because we're actually taking place. I think it's like it it takes place. The second part takes place is a is a time jump from the original. So okay. we're gonna you play through the first campaign and then you get a time jump to the next campaign and I don't know how that's gonna play out. I definitely will be talking about it. I'm gonna write up about it and do an audio uh, an audio actually review of the game. Uh, I'm excited for it if they can fix it. They fixed it the last time, so I know that they can. It's just a matter of will they with the matter of just two months from you know we're looking at around just two months before Destiny Two Forsaken. So it comes out, yeah. One thing on Defiance is that the connection that you're talking about here, I just went real quick and just like, hey, Google, did Destiny steal from Defiance? You know what pops up is did Destiny steal from Warframe? Did Destiny steal from Borderlands? Did Destiny steal from this or did Destiny steal from that? But absolutely does that thread open up about uh, uh, Defiance? And a lot of people are just saying, isn't Destiny 1 just Defiance 2.0? And it is. And that's the thing. It's basically what happened with a lot of us that played when we switched over to Destiny. Uh, we're like, wow, this is so smooth. This is like, we're it's so pretty. We were all excited because we were playing Defiance. And we switched over and we got the same feeling and experience with a lot more uh, stability and so it made us that that kind of fed into that 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 frenzy of like oh my god we got to play this now, and then the world opened up and said hey we're going to give you more options for this this kind of feel, 
And with that, we got into the other games that we have. We have the stuff that we have to we have to deal with, and we are not deal with, but we have all these different options to play now. Defiance coming back, free to play model. It's a good idea, you know. Jump on that bandwagon. Jump sure, on it because then it gives you something to play. There's a lot Terra free to play as done really well with some of their microtransactions the way they do it because it's not buy to win. You do buy a new character class. That's fine, you know. Keep the lights on. That's cool. Defiance is kind of doing the same thing. New character classes come out. You can either grind to earn in-game currency to purchase it, or you can buy currency to purchase the new character class. You can EA it. And, I like and, it. and the thing is, is that it's 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 a cool, cool little it's a good rundown nostalgia, but it's also it gives you raids and a bunch of other stuff. So if you're looking for raid content, looking for that type of stuff, looking for big open world raid content, Defiance will give you that and it'll kind of itch scratch that itch that you're waiting for come september that being said destiny 2 forsaken release date september 4th prince aldrin is going to die and i don't know if you want to be called an awoken if you want to be called a cassian but you're a bastard by any any designation we love we talked about another hero and our hero that we're going to talk about is cade six it's been confirmed that in a short trailer very short trailer. Short trailer. Cade 6 dies. Not only does he die, but it was also t- stated that we will play through the initial part of that and something's going to happen to us where we're not able to save him. And we're going to have to watch him die. Some people are like angry that why would you do that? Why are you trying to do that? It's, you know, they will obviously lose some fans over this. Other fans are going to be coming in in droves to take out Prince Aldrin because you just made yes. a major big bad, like more so, more so than any other, because you're getting rid of a character that is played by an actor that a lot of people love. I mean, you got it. Cade Six is one of my favorites of the game, and I'm a Destiny Two only player. But I fell, I fell for that guy really quickly. I was like, "This, he's an amazing it's character." It's Nathan Fillion, who who can't fall, who doesn't fall for Nathan Fillion. He's a very beautiful man. Yeah, and so, but we do know that he is very busy right now with his uh, with his TV show that's coming out, where he plays a forty year old who, uh, you know, it was becomes a cop after surviving a or de- an incident uh, or a bank robbery, and I'm hoping that this sticks for him. It seems pretty, it seems pretty cool. You know, Castle was a good was a show I really liked. So that Castle show is in syndication. He's doing just fine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it sticks for him too, but he'll survive. I think somehow. Well, yeah, but he's also <laughs> you know he's always tied to the Halo franchise. He's he's very he's got characters in yeah. that. Um, Firefly. Fire, yeah, Firefly. Yeah, uh, that's supposed to be coming back too. But so, you know, he's got he's got lots of work. But why, Cade? Why? Why do you have to get rid of Cade Six? You can't. He's dead. Death, you don't reboot, you can't reboot a EXO from death. And that's that's yeah, the thing. Is is everybody's nuts. like, oh, he's going to come back as Cade 7. Unless they're going to really screw up the continuity there of what they say an EXO can and can't do, you're really going to mess it up if you bring him back as Cade 7. Eh, you know, part of me would be like, yay, Cade 7, but... No, Cade is Cade no, 6. No, that doesn't feel doesn't. right, you, man. If you're going to kill him off, you've, if you've done this, you've already got us all angry and ready to go. you got to leave him dead. As sad as that's going to be for us, why couldn't it have been Zavala? 
<laughs> I'm kind of with you on that one, though. Too. Everybody, everybody. It's like the actor at Place of All is freaking awesome, but everybody's like, why couldn't it have been this jackass? <laughs> yeah, no lie. It's like. I love I love that, but on the on the point of like bringing back Kate as as Kate Seven, I don't like it at all. But I know you haven't played it yet. I know it hasn't came out yet. Are you hoping that you get the opportunity to actually kill off Prince Alden? Yes. And the thing is, is... Ho- if they don't give you that opportunity, how mad are fans going to be at Destiny? They're, they're, you, you know what yeah, I mean? I mean, they could. And and this is the thing that worries me is. Now they get this big bad that we're wanting to hunt down. Are they gonna like? Are they gonna Jason him? Where at the end he like his hand pops up, or you know, uh, a shredder, oh. a super shredder, where the hand pops up? Are we uh. going? You know, this is gonna bring our clan is a big uprising is a big Destiny clan, and we've been we've changed into multiple games, but this this is the one thing that we are all talking about that really has us like this is going to draw us all back in and we're going to be absolutely yeah because we all want to kick his butt like it's we have to rev- avenge Kate everybody six. yeah it's like uprising clan avenge kate six and the thing is is that there's other stuff about this is uh the gear i've seen a lot of the gear and the way that it looks i really like it it's very like it's very uh grungy and just not not so pristine looking. So I really that's got me in. That's got my gears. That's turning. cool. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. stoked about that. But we know that the start of the campaign that Aldrin Sov, which is the Prince of the Reef, that he shoots Cade Six dead, and this sets up him up as the main antagonist along with eight barons, which is kind of the most interesting. Th- DLC that we've seen from Destiny 2 at this point, correct? Or is this the most for 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 a big bad for an Antigen Antigenus? Uh, isn't this the most interesting thing that you've seen so far from this? Did Destiny One do something like this? No, they did not kill Destiny One. Did not. No, I'm not saying kill somebody, but something uh, this much because this to me, even though we're killing off Kate Six, this is a very interesting storyline. It it does, and what it feels like though is I feel I'm curious about how much Bungie is actually borrowing from the original story of Destiny One, because we had cutscenes of Prince Aldrin and our our character, our our guardian that we never got to see, that never happened. It became a big rewrite. So I'm curious if this might be taking an evolved version of a storyline that we would have seen in Destiny One, but didn't okay. get. Now okay. the barons, these are fallen. They're uh, hot. They're fallen dregs, like the low, low level uh, fallen dregs. If you know anything about their culture, the fallen they start off before they get their rank. They have their limbs, their arms are ripped off of them. They have forearms ready, but they're ripped off. And they have to grow back as they progress through the ranks. They gain back arms, and. But what the, as the story goes, we're reading from Game Informer, who just released a really awesome article, guys. Very detailed, very detailed article on the Barons. And what they say is, is the Barons were once a hodgepodge of lowly dregs cast out from the upstart of House of Exile. If you, don't, if you, if you follow De- uh, Destiny, you know what the House of Exile is. Forsaken and scorned by their own Alinsky Elixney comrades, and with no one to depend on but each other, they didn't just survive. They thrived through ingenuity, ruthlessness, and teamwork. 
They raided their fallen brethren's encampments, stealing ether and growing ever stronger. Ether is so in the world of Destiny. Ether is their food. It's produced by ether is basically it's the food. It's a, it's a byproduct that comes off of what servitors create, which are the orb creatures and stuff like that that are in with the fallen, the fallen kind of parlay around. The ether is this gaseous like substance, white in color. Not vex, not va- evaporated vex milk, but it actually allows it's it's what makes them gain some strength and everything like almost like how it's to them what kind of like light is to us as a guardian. With them able to grow and gain, you know, pillage and terrorize, basically of the encampments and then going after the awoken outposts throughout uh, throughout the reef. It's basically Game Informer says is this is cowboys of Tombstone. They become the scourge of the reef, overpowering other gangs of fallen pirates and scavengers, and rendering the once flourishing homeland of the Awoken into a lawless frontier. I love that. I love that line right there. Yeah, that that hooks me so well, and it's such a good written line by Game Informer. Uh, I, I'm I'm in. I know. You know, <laughs> you know. You always hear me tell if like you see me, someone says, you know, hey, can you play a game with me? Can you do this? I go. I always like we'll pull up the main. I'll be your Huckleberry, you know, and so yeah. it's just like seeing this. It's like they're saying, yeah. Anytime you reference Tombstone, the only thing you could make it better for me is if the, all the Barons are carrying red sashes. Oh my god, I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, like so the Barons. Like, what's cool about it is the pictures stuff that they show of the Barons. They're yes. they're you know they have a lot of mechanical limbs and things like that, and it's it's just really cool. But they also are kind of almost like a goro or horror kind of in look like each each baron looks extremely different Um, yes they all have their own little backstory to history and you know the real name like the fanatic is the first one that that kind of uh gave a former puts out there he looks almost like a mix between goro like you're talking about and then pyramid pyramid head head i know yeah yeah geez okay good you're right there with me i'm right there with you and it it actually looks fear-inducing Yes, yeah, he is scary. He's very scary. Yeah, yeah. So I'm seeing this. I'm like, wow, and and it's kind of the picture's got like this very red background. You see a servitor that's actually chained in the background of this image, and then his his like it just it looks, yeah, it's grotesque. And for a Destiny game, yeah, yeah. you can you can think about the the uh, the hive and the hive are pretty grotesque, but this just. I don't know, man. Like this, I want to fight him. I want him. I want to fight him. I want the gear that he's going to drop. Uh, having eight, this is the thing, though. Having the what? What's kind of the significance here between Prince Aldrin and the eight is that they were captured by a combination of Cade Six working with a few guardians and the Regent Commander Petra Vinge, who is one is an awoken she's from she's one that was part of the main guard of uh of the queen this just you so you know why that they want to come out and why they want to kill Cade. yeah now they were held in the prison of elders i believe i remember i thought i think believe that they're held in the prison of elders guys if I'm wrong with this stuff, I'll tell you what. There, there's a podcast that you can go back and you can, you can read up on a lot of the lore, or hear, listen to a lot of the lore, which is uh, 
uh, Destiny Ghost Stories. And that was a phenomenal podcast. And I'm hoping... I mean, they, they, they've had some, they've had, they've gone with some things because the continuity has been changed up quite a bit by Bungie, but uh, they talk a lot about the Prison of Elders and a bunch of, um, pretty much all the other side stories you can get with Destiny. This is the thing, the guy that we're talking about that looks like Pyramid Head, he's called the Fanatic. Yeah, and I like the fact that they put in here as a status. Wanted fragmented reports reveal a nomadic unaffiliated archon priest imbued with a power akin to the found to that found in and around the european dead zone do not engage and until the depth of his power is known i love that and then Cade six quote i don't like this one not one bit he's a believer to the core and they're the toughest to put down so as you're saying you know Cade six and some of the other guardians went around and captured uh the eight barons i i like i like that quote now is that something from Destiny One, or or no. that's something outside of this is out, this outside is outside. Of like you hear little bits okay. and little bits about the characters, but that's just kind of. I, I, yeah, you know more about that since I never played Destiny One. This that's just, the only reason yeah, I was asking. No, I wasn't but sh- this actually just that makes me even more angry. Like this, like <laughs> I just I, now I'm, I'm going to be curious to see how many of these characters are strikes, or you know. And how many of these characters are held for the uh, for the raid? Yeah, that's uh, that's a good point. But so we also have the machinist. I like him. Yeah, he looks. I mean, I'll, but he looks he, he looks more like your typical fallen character to me. The fanatic man. I'm telling you, man. Yeah. What a good job, whoever uh, the creation of that character right there. That guy's scary. Yeah, I like the machinist though. We're all thieves. Some of us are just better at it. And he's got like a. He looks like. Kind of some of those vans you see the memes of right now. A lot of them are actually down in Portland where there's like a hoarder van. They just have stuff strapped upon them. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. This guy's yeah. got like yeah. that. He's like a hoarder. You can look at him and you see that he's, 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 you see he's definitely a hoarder. But, and, and still, the animation stuff's really, really cool with this. And there's a little video that they put up, a little GIF. Basically, it shows his yeah. movements and stuff. Which, that makes it feel more like an engagement from the prison of elders that what what we're actually watching right now and so that could be that'd be cool like uh, what what would you guys think if the prison of elders came back as an option to play not as a mainstay as the main part of the dlc but as an option to go in there and just kind of play uh play that that horde mode kind of kind of style again uh let us know well, you can hit us up on Discord and all that stuff, or even if you're an uprising, guys, hit us up on uprising. We'll let, we'll mention you in the next episode. I just I'm I'm looking through this and the quotes by Kate Six, which is kind of sad, but he has something to say about every one of these guys. And there's a character named the Hangman, who again, <laughs> that's a crazy looking character. The enemy to light alignment is the enemy light, but he likes it too much. Kate Six says, which is Kate Six, you know Nathan Fillion right there. Mindbender. Never heard of Mindbender. Surprise. That's just how he likes it. Kate Six. <laughs> I mean, I love these quotes that they I know, have. And of, that's just you know. so horrible. But so this one is interesting, though. It's a... We have a barren female known as the yeah. trickster. Where most see war, I see opportunity for a laugh. And that's her quote. Yeah, and Kate Six. Whatever you do, don't trust anything. She touches you. I promise you, it'll bite. Kate Six. Yeah. 
This is making me sad, but it's also making me really excited to play Forsaken, which comes out September 4th for all Destiny fans. I know Uprising Clan and other clans across, you know, Destiny uh, uh, Destiny here are going to be in full drives to, you know, avenge Cade 6 here, who I I think he's my, if he's not my favorite character, he's got to be my second favorite character. It, it's, there's a, there's a toss up for me, but uh, I don't know. I think this is the most interesting, you know, DLC that we've gotten for Destiny 2 to this point, man. And then you got one character, one of the barons called the Mad Bomber, and his quote for what he's a, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a little, <laughs> mm, that's a little touchy there, guys. <laughs> uh, what does Kate Six say about the Mad Bomber? Look, we're all like blowing stuff up, but there's a line, a line the guy crossed that a long time ago. Kate Six, God, that's like a, uh, that's like a dirty, hairy line it right is, there. It is. I mean, that's, <laughs> and if he, he uses, God, why do you have to say uh, something like that? He uses a hand cannon. He is our dirty uh, Harry. We're losing dirty Harry. Yeah, you're right, oh, man. Gosh. Rifle Man is also the rider. Uh, so the Barons are very interesting to me. I, I love... You guys got to go look at the Game Informer. If you're a GameStop member and you get the Game Informer to show up to your house, like like we do, it's in there. Or look it up online. I love the breakdown and the history behind each Baron. This actually gets you more excited for the Forsaken DLC coming out. Uh, go through, read all the quotes, read the history, the status of where they're at, and if they're wanted, there's a little wanted. like It's almost like an old school wanted poster from Tombstone. You know what this Tombstone, makes me feel like, basically. guys? This is one, like, when you look at this stuff, this feels very similar, and I know that this is going to start to date us, but if you remember buying a new game, you would open up the case of the new game. You get the instruction manual, but the instruction manual yeah. will have like a little bit of like little nuances to the game. This is what this feels like. This is written by associate editor of Game Informer, Surreal Vasquez. Go check this out. This check it out on the website. You can look it up on GameInformer.com, or you can find it in the magazine when it comes out. Guys, Forsaken is going to be. It, it, it okay. I'm not gonna quote that say that it's going to be, but it's looking like it is going to be a return to form for Destiny. It's definitely gonna bring back the Destiny fans, uh, especially. You know, I keep mentioning our clan, but there's other clans out there. Uh, it's gonna bring back these people, and it's gonna bring us back together again for a, you know a common cause here. And that is to kill, kill Prince Aldern and the A Barons. And that's, I mean, and it's that's. Perfectly said because come September fourth, that's exactly what we're going to be doing. Absolutely, I can't wait for this, man. This is, actually just going through this and reading this with you, man, because I've only read this to my by myself. But reading with another Destiny fan, it, it's making me more excited. I'm also sad, uh, you know, but I'm all, also really excited now, to see, go through the, this. The, the interesting thing about this is 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 we know that they're going to be Bungie's going to be at PAX. They're going to do a big deal at PAX, probably like they did. Excuse me, for Destiny 2, we're going to be at PAX. So we'll try to get some extra. They usually do about codes, swag, stuff like that. We'll try to get some of these codes and whatnot. And But the other thing about that is is that we're going to be at PAX from Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. The game, the, the expansion launches on Tuesday. That would be perfect timing for us to get some information out or find out some new information 
<laughs> right before the DLC drops. Exactly. And so we're going to be able to, so that following episode, like we probably will try to record, we're always talking about we're going to try to record a live episode. We'll probably try to record an episode as we learn it and try to get that out. On that well, well, we talked about it earlier in the show, and I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but we talked about it in the show. We will definitely just Facebook Live that. We can try. The thing about PAX is no internet connection. No internet connection. Ooh. Well, I'm maybe maybe if we find something on Saturday, we go out and we do it. You know, sounds good. Go back to the hotel, you know, and get to get it done there. So, with that, guys, this episode it was kind of more just like a a, a breakdown of some of our our kind of happiness kind of things going on right now and sadness and sadness. But well, it's a breakdown of basically what they talked about the parents. This is the hodgepodge of a podcast. Yeah, it is, uh, <laughs> man. The Barons look cool, and I and I want. I'm definitely the fanatic, though. I'm sorry, that's the coolest one. The fanatic. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think he looks. I'm a big fan of Silent Hill. You know, I, I am, yeah, so. he does, <laughs> and, and his enemies look very similar to that. He also, yeah. but you know, we're also fans of Gears of War, and he also looks like a character could be found in Gears of War. He, you're you're right too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've actually been jumping into Destiny 2 here a little bit, too, back and forth. I've, I competed in the faction rallies. <sighs> My faction did not win. Uh, oh, yeah, boo-hoo. Dead Orbit. Mine always lost. You New Monarchy? Yeah, New Monarchy. New Monarchy's been winning like crazy, but they didn't win this one. Future, Future War Cult won this time. So, the t- like, the two times I didn't play, I won. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so... Guys, with that, for this week, we are out of here. But like I said, stay tuned to the Facebook page. Stay tuned to Mixer.com. We will get this stuff figured out, and we will be live on all that stuff. And it's going to be a blast. See you on the Nintendo side, on Xbox side, PC side. Games all over the place. Content, movies, you name it. We're your place for information. Oh, I guess you could find us on Twitter at Geekologist Radio. Uh, all one word, minus the T for character restrictions. You could find me on Twitter, Mr. Damian Nash, all one word. Nick, where can we find you? You can find me on the Discord, which I've already linked on our Facebook page today. So please check that out. We'll link it onto the show notes. Please get in there. Also find me at Nick and PDX, all one word. And yes, it's free agency in the NBA. So yes, it's a lot of NBA. Ha <laughs> ha